570. In L.A. sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. And we continue on. Fred Rogan and Rodney P. On AM570 LA Sports. All right, bottom of the hour. Let's play a little Who Dis Rodney. Oh, I like that. I like that. I've been on a roll lately, Fred. Yeah, you have. Oh, yeah. I've been dominating a little bit. Last week, the perfect game. Yeah. Yesterday, mm. near shutout. Uh, yeah. So what we'll do, and when we do it at 1 o'clock, we get different people, right? We normally do it during the noon hour. But we'll do it today yeah. at 1. Maybe we'll have somebody new try to play Who Dis, and we'll give you a cue to it call. It is 1. All right, we're going to do it today, during the 1 o'clock hour. Oh. Or this hour. One. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I still thought it was noon. At 1. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll do it did. during this hour. This hour, at 1. Yeah. At this hour. At 122. No, later at than 138. Eh, maybe a little earlier. No, it'll be sooner than that. Oh, okay. It'll be somewhere. I'm doing to you what you do to the haiku. I know and, you are. And I don't like it. I know. You hate that. I do. I try to be specific. It's a brand name. I, I'm aware that you consider it, as does Vic. A branded element. Yes. The haiku at two. Yes. But if it's at 112, then I think we need to point out that it's at 112. We wouldn't say the haiku at two because it's not two. To me, in my mind, that makes perfect sense. I know it does not to you. No. And you're giving me the who dis glare. Yes. It's it's the glare because that's not what it is. It is the name of it is the haiku at two. Right. Whether it comes on at midnight, one thirty. Three in the afternoon or twelve oh five. All right, it's so the you haiku at two. You will be happy if I no longer give the specific time of the haiku. Static. I cannot do that. <laughs> Fred, you know when uh, NBC, your proud Peacock has like their football special, like a playoff game or something, a wild card. They game. call it Sunday night. It's called Football, football night, night in America, America. and it's one thirty in the afternoon. Right. Because it's called Football Night in America the entire season. So why are they going to change it? I understand that. Leave I, the brand alone. I actually think that's Leave stupid too. Leave the brand uh, alone. Stop messing with the brand, Fred. It's like when they called uh, football night. Well, ESPN does like uh, something on a different day, and they call it the same thing. They'll do the Sunday yeah. countdown on Sunday Tuesday. Sunday countdown, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Well, you know what? It's not Sunday. And don't think you're fooling us. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> you're not. Because we all know. Because you're too cheap to build another graphic. You're that kid at, yeah, in class that keeps raising his hand and just being contrary to be contrary. Right. Yes, I was. <laughs> I, I acknowledge I that. Were. I know you were. I was that kid. <laughs> right. I just want it right. That's all I want. And we want to get these Dodgers right. So let's bring in our buddy Ned Coletti now. And Ned, good afternoon to you. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Well, after last night, what do you have to say for yourself, Ned? What, what does that mean? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What, what does that mean, Fred? Uh, somebody's got. You know what? Somebody's got to. It's like in in life, Ned. Somebody's always got to take the hit and take the blame. I'm blaming you, and I don't even yeah, know I'll why. I'll take it for tomorrow. I mean, I'll take it for today. I'll take it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened, Ned. What happened? Ned's got big shoulders. He'll take it. <laughs> hey, I've taken it before a bunch yes. of times. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I give credit to San Francisco last night. You know, they came out. Uh, they came out heavy on Gonsolin, the three runs in the first inning. Uh, bloodied the nose of the Dodgers a little bit. The Dodgers counterpunch right back with, with two runs back-to-back by Muncie and, and JT. And then they had two runners on. They had their ace on the, on the ropes. 
but uh, couldn't cash any more runs for a while. And I, I, I said yesterday that I thought the the key to the series, what I was, what I really wanted to see was how the Giants bullpen pitched in a close game against the Dodgers from the sixth inning on. The Dodgers, we know they're, they're tough to beat, and and they got staying power late in games, but. San Francisco's credit, they pitched. I think they had 21 straight outs at one point in time until you got to the, the end of the game there. Uh, really, the Dodgers' offense was really stagnated by uh, the bullpen. Gosman, it wasn't him. It was really the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, Ned, are, are, are you surprised at where where we are right now, with the uh, especially with the Giants? Because you and I, we all talked about this back in April and May. Is it, I'd like to see them in, you know, after the All-Star break, late July, August, when they're making that push, see if they're still going to be there, see if they have that lasting power. And most people, including me, um, didn't think that they would be here at this point. But they seem as though they've found the great mix of veteran guys and young guys, new guys, and they're making it work, and they're not going anywhere. They're playing good baseball, and what happens now, Ned, as you know, they're playing with confidence now. So it's it's going to be a dogfight to the end. Well, I I don't I don't debate any of of the points. They have played great, and they've played hard. I think there's um, there's so a lot to learn. I think on both clubs' side, I think when you got a series like this, especially four games, it's not two, it's not three, it's four. It gives you that. That extra game, which is, you know, when you're in a race like this, that extra game is, is vital to whoever wins and whoever loses. But I think that teams will will learn. They'll take both the Giants and the Dodgers will take something out of this series. Whether they take, whether the Dodgers take, hey, you know what, this team is real and they can pitch and they're going to pitch late in games, or they can't. And I think that that is still. That still lingers for me a little bit with them. They have played as hard as a team can play. I give them so much credit for, for really coming out of, out of nowhere almost and playing as hard as they've played. I also think that when you play as hard as they've played, I think it's, and, and I'm not trying to run anybody's team here, but I think it's really important that when you get to the trading deadline in another 9, 10 days, somebody better be walking in that room. Somebody of a difference-making talent, whether it's somebody who can pitch late in games, can help their bullpen, can help their rotation, or any of their position players. Uh, they've had a lot of guys hurt. Posey just came back. Belt has been out. Gloria's been out. Somebody needs to walk through that room, in my opinion. I'm not trying to run Farhan's team for them. I've just seen it happen many times. When a team comes out of the blue, so to speak, and, and has such a great run for – April, May, June, and let's say the rest of July. They need somebody to come through that door. Nobody comes through that door of consequence. They're going to look around and say, so what was this all worth? Makes it tougher. So I, I still say there's a lot of chapters yet to be written. I would tell teams that I GM'd, I'd say, look, we got to stay as many weeks as left. we got to pick up a game a week. we got to be within that type of range. Well, the Dodgers are so really sitting in that type of range easily. So, and they've been doing it without Seager, really without without Cody for most of the year. Certainly, whether he's in the lineup or, or on the IL, it's been a struggle. Mookie started to play better than he missed yesterday. So, you know, they're they're not at full strength either. But their guys are like all star proven competitors that have that have won a lot. I think the I think the story is yet to be written. I think there's a long way to go. 
Uh, also, Ned, with the Dodgers, and, you know, we've seen it in past years. You probably saw it when you were sitting in the chair. Offensively, it's feast or famine. I, I can't figure out why. Last night, San Francisco has their best pitcher. They got to him. I mean, he threw like 80 pitches in four innings. So now you get to that bullpen, you think, all right, this is the Dodger game. We grind him down, we get to the pen, and, and here we go. And again, feast or famine. You either score or you don't. Why is that? Well, it, it, again, it goes. I think it goes back to your lineup a little bit. I mean, you're playing without Seager, who's a great two-hitter or three-hitter. That's uh, we've talked about Mookie, except for really the last seven or eight days, right before the break and a couple days after it, uh, really showed you know what he did a, the entire season a year ago. You're missing your four-hitter, Cody, whether he's been hurt or whether he's been in the lineup. You take that many key guys out of the lineup, uh, you're going to have that inconsistency. You're going to have that kind of hit and miss. You're talking about an MVP of uh, one guy from the American League, one guy from the National League, another guy that's been the MVP in the, in the, when the lights are the hottest twice last year. That all takes its toll on a lineup. When you, when you pitch and you see a lineup that's, that doesn't have any of those three or, or missing all three uh, to varying degrees, you can pitch through it. Guys can pitch through it because they're going to really grind out the, the one guy that can do damage in the inning. But the other guys that are, are not Bellinger or, or Seager or Betts, you know, they can be more efficient. They can work those guys to, you know, to, to get outs, and that's, that's the clock for the game. So I think that's been a lot of it. Again, you know, one other thing from last night's game, when the Giants started to rally late in that game, look how many times they went the opposite way. They weren't trying to pull. They weren't trying to, to hit one out. They just went the opposite way. A lot of credit given to their approach uh, to the way they did it. They, they looked Dodgerish to me. They looked like the team that, that we've seen playing uh, for L.A. for all these years. They grind out at bats. We'll take it the other way if necessary and just pass the baton, as they say, and continue to move forward. And, and that's what they did. Yeah, they, they did. They did. And, and, you know, one thing, Ned – is because we've talked about this since the season started. It's okay once they get to full strength. Dodgers get back to full strength, they're going to be this. Are we looking at a team that probably the way it's going, I don't know if they're ever going to be really at full strength. The way this season is shaping out, that guys are coming in and out. Kershaw's out now. Seager's coming back. Gavin Lux is hurt. I mean, this is kind of what you're going to get, it feels like, for the rest of the year. and They just have to find a way to play through it. Agreed. And I think that every team in the game is is going through that in different stages um, for two reasons. One, it's a baseball season. It's six months long before you get to the playoffs. It's almost every day. And you're going from a, from 60 to 162. That's such a difference for the just for the body and for the mind to to kind of go back to that point. It's like if you if you ran marathons or eight eighties all the time, I think I said this before. And now suddenly you gotta run hundred and ten, you know, oh geez, I could you know, I could do this. Then they go, oh, wait, we're back to the marathon or we're back to the 880. And it's, I think there's a lot to it, but it's not just the Dodgers. I think everybody's going to go through that and is going through that at different periods of time. Uh, and I've said it before on the show, when you get scouts have told me back in April, being as, as they watch teams and as they watch guys and they listen to people and they talk to people, by August 1st or so, it's going to be the teams that have got the most depth and the most perseverance physically and and mentally are going to be the teams that, that play the best the last two months. Uh, Josiah, I think everybody goes through it. 
I was going to say, Ned, Josiah Gray goes tonight, and I, I guess that, you know, he, he's the top prospect. It speaks to the Dodgers' desperate need for pitching right now. Uh, this is an awfully big stage for this guy to step on right now, isn't it? Well, it is. Uh, we had him on, on Spectrum last night uh, pregame, and really, I, I can't wait to see this kid work. I've heard really good reports on him. Uh, one of the scouts that was uh, heavily uh, – counseled on whether or not to acquire him from Cincinnati. Somebody that I've worked with for years. I have the utmost respect for Vance Lovelace, who uh, really spoke highly and continues to speak very, very highly of, of this kid. His, not only his stuff, but his aptitude, his compete level. Um, I'm excited to see it. But yes, big stage, no doubt. And you're talking about somebody that missed a couple months with a shoulder issue. I think he's pitched maybe 10, 11 innings since he's come back. Uh, all AAA innings, obviously. So uh, it will be a big stage, but you know he seems confident. He's he's got he's got the ability. It's really just going to be a matter of the experience and really how many outs can he get because you've got another bullpen game. Basically, Tony Gonson got ten outs yesterday. Uh, you know, one more than 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 Gosman did. But you know, you've you've got to get some length out of your starting pitching because you you can't really sustain this the way it is. And so, but interesting to see, you know, he's a young guy that's got some ability. We'll see if he can keep his mind calm and keep the pulse calm and, and just pitch. Sounds like he can do it. We'll see. Hey, Ned, how much how much effect will the absence of uh, Trevor Bauer going to be on, on the Dodgers going forward? Um, even if there's, you know, no criminal charges and it all comes out and it's all consensual and all those type of things, I think they're starting they're, pitcher, any starting pitcher. Yeah, yeah it, you're going to have to figure out how to fill that that gap. And I think the when you talk about somebody that has pitched as well as he had been pitching, yeah, that makes it makes it tougher. Plus, you've got the 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 investment that you've made, and so you know that that takes away from perhaps another investment, so to speak. And I think that obviously, whenever you lose anybody, it's tough. You know, they they're going without Clayton now for a period of time. Uh, they've gone without Dustin May for for a long time already, who I thought was one of the key guys when you look at this pitching staff because of the versatility, because of the youth, because of the stuff. They missed Gonsolin for two months, and he's still been inconsistent off and on coming back. Guy had great command last year. He walked four hitters last night, has not had the same command, kind of nibbles a little bit instead of just attacks. And And so whenever you lose starting pitching, especially elite starting pitching, yeah, you you don't easily replace that, and, and you got to figure out a way to fill that gap, and that that's not easy, not easy to do. You know, that's t- why you got a training deadline coming up too, in some some aspects. Talking about Trevor Bauer, my thoughts of him pitching are not looking down the road, Ned. They've now become a memory, a Dodger memory of him in a uniform on the hill. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it's obviously a. Delicate situation, tough, tough situation. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, there's a lot of thought. I'm, I'm sure there's there's much conversation on a daily basis that goes on, much. Hey, hey Ned, you talked about with the Giants, somebody walking through that door. Do you see the same thing happening with, with the Dodgers as they're sitting around going, somebody better walk through that door for us because uh, we've been banged up, we've been up and down, uh, we need a new face in here. Do you get the sense that, that that is the feeling in the Dodger clubhouse as well. No, I, I don't think I don't think much. I think when you get Corey Seager back, which may be tomorrow or the next day, maybe take him a week or so to really get his uh, get his game back and everything at the speed of left to play it. 
But, you know, not too many people are going to be able to acquire Corey Seager at the end of July. I think that's big. And, we, you know, we know Bellinger's been struggling. He's sitting in the 160s. You know, that's not normal. If he can, if he can hit 300 for a month, which is obviously very capable of, suddenly you've got that addition. I don't think it's as important for the Dodgers as it is for the Giants. Um, everybody can use starting pitching. Uh, obviously, if, if depending on how Clayton's doing, it sounds like he's going to be fine. Uh, and Trevor, you know, that, that situation could be resolved. Uh, one way or the other, you know, those are all things that that you know as, as a as a leader of a team, and you gotta you gotta figure out the, the severity and and really what your backup plans are. But again, I, I say this every year this time of year. It's not like you can go to the big you know the big store down the street and just walk down aisle six and pick yourself up a starting pitcher or whatever. You know, it doesn't work like that. So, but I think it's I think it's as close to imperative as it could be for San Francisco. I think it's important for the Dodgers, but not as imperative as it is for the Giants to continue the run that they've been on. All right. Well, Ned, we appreciate you continuing your run with us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. (laughs) We love having Ned on. Ned is the guy. He is. Dodgers take on the Giants. First pitch at 7. Catch the action right here. AM 570 LA Sports and in HD on the free iHeartRadio app. Brought to you by Premier Jeep of Buena Park. Log on to PremierJeep.com or stop by Premier Jeep of Buena Park right off the 5 at Artesia in Buena Park. Who wants a little who dis? Come on. 866-987-2570. First caller. You call, Kevin will pick you up, put you on the air. You're playing Rodney and Ronnie, and that's next. Let us yeah. give you money. Your chance to win $1,000 is right now. Yeah. Text the nationwide keyword. Hope to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Once again, that's Hope to 200-200. Good luck. AM 570 LA Sports. Thanks for joining us on your ride. Thank you very much, yes. Speaking of which, traffic. Bringing you LA's best sports talk weekdays, noon to 3. Rogan and Rodney. Yes, 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 it is Tuesday, Rodney Pete. Fred Rogan, I gotta keep reminding myself it's Tuesday, Fred. I know, it seems later in the yeah, week. Yeah, it does, it does. Uh, Alright, later on Mark Medina will join us. USA Today, we'll talk some basketball. NBA Finals tonight, Milwaukee can wrap it up. Also drop something at about the Lakers and Clippers when we get with Mark. Rogan and Rodney Roulette. Who is this guy? This is who I am. Who is this guy? Who this? Earlier, Eric Dickerson was on the show, and our visits with Eric are brought to you by Ford. California, the future belongs to everybody. Now everyone can drive it with the 2021 Ford Explorer. The future comes standard at your Southern California Ford dealers. Henry and Corona, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? No, we got you. You're good. I'm clear. Alrighty. Very good. Okay. Sounds great. How you doing, Rodney? You know what? I'm fantastic. I'm I'm doing great. Fantastic. And, um, I'm ready to roll. Are you ready? I, I think I'm ready. Let's go. Just, uh, okay. All right. Let's do it. All right, uh, Ronnie, you ready? Good afternoon, Fred and Rodney and uh, the guy in Corona. <laughs> Henry. <laughs> Henry. 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 
All right, Henry and uh, who Hammer this? Hammer Henry. You yell it out when you know it. Hammer and Hank. You, you don't have to wait here, Henry. You just yell it out when you know it, okay? People call you Hank uh, for short? Yes. They do. Okay. They do. Big, All right. Big Bank Hank. Let's go. Let's go, Big Bank. I'm a two-time NL All-Star. Wow, Fred. That's a lot of clues. I Justin know. Turner. And it is no good. Max Muncy. No good! Who is this guy? Yeah, who is it? I Justin was. Justin Turner. Oh. How about new? I was. The NL Rookie of the Year in 2016. Corey Seager. Rodney. Yes, yes. Just getting warmed up, Freddie. Making it look easy. Just getting warmed up. Yeah, just really relaxed. You know what I'm saying, Hank? Yeah, hey, you, yeah. you got it. Yeah, right. that, that, that was good. Okay. Next one, I was the third overall pick in the 2004 NBA Draft. 2004. Yeah. Tim Duncan. Chris Paul. How about you? Yes. Who third, is this guy? Third pick. Third pick. I've made 10 All-Star teams in my career. Yes. Mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony. Rodney. Yeah, Hank. Yeah, Hank. That's how that's how it's done, Hank. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Hank? <laughs> yeah, Hank. <laughs> Sit back and just just marvel this, at it. This is a tough one. Yeah. Give us another clue there. Just, Pacino. Just appreciate the greatness, Hank. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go with the next one. I'm a three time all pro defensive player in the NFL. Three times. Yeah. Donald. Nelson Young! Bruce Smith. How about you? Nice pull. Nice pull there, Ronald. Nice pull. Yeah. Who is this guy? What? What? Nobody said anything. Right. I'm giving you the next clue. Oh, okay. Just checking. Yeah. I've made five Pro Bowls and led the league in interceptions in 2013. Jalen Ramsey. And it is no good. Oh. No. Richard Sherman. Sherman. Richard Sherman. Rodney got it. Before no, Henry. no, no. I, th- I think I beat uh, Rodney on that one. Check I, the tape. I think Rodney got you it. really want to go to the tape, Hank? Come on, Henry. You want to put, well, I, I, you I put yourself Sherman. through that? Yeah. You want to put yourself through that, Hank? All right, all right. Uh, let's go. Okay. Let's go to Have the tape. Corona. Corona. All right, go to the tape. Let's go to the tape. <laughs> Hank, Hank wants to go to the tape. He wants the tape? Yes. <laughs> he, wants, he wants a repeat performance of that beatdown he just got. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd want to endure that twice. Yeah, but go ahead, Kev. Richard Sherman. Sherman. There you go, Hank. Yeah. All righty. All right. I think you got a little Barely, delay there. Hank. Okay. Okay. Well, you're on the delay tip now. Yeah, there was no delay. You were in there pretty quick, but Rodney <laughs> just beat you. You were good. I could hardly tell the difference. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, we could tell the difference. All right, here we go. I was his 21st pick in the 1998 NFL Draft. Eric Dickerson. Nelson Young! Wow. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Two years late. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, E.D. 1998, huh? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, about 10 years late. Yeah, a little bit. Who is this guy? By 15. Um, I made six Pro Bowls and was a four-time All-Pro. 1998. Yeah. 
I hold the NFL record for most touchdown receptions in a single season with 23. Randy Moss. Hey, Jerry Ryan. Right. Okay. Uh, no, Rodney got it. Hank. Yeah, Hank. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, why are you all over Hank? <laughs> Jerry Rice. Is... Like all over Hank. Come on. Jerry, yeah, Rodney. <laughs> Jerry Rice was a nice little receiver. <laughs> Randy Moss had 23. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, but Hank, don't feel bad because Ronnie's not even speaking. <laughs> Ronnie, yeah. are you playing, Ronnie? I'm pretty mediocre. Today. Are you playing? <laughs> this is a difficult yeah, one. Frank, don't jinx me. Fred, don't jinx me. Because I've already won, obviously. And um, I'm not saying anything. Don't say anything. After Fred. what happened last time. Well, it didn't matter last time, right? I still shut up. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Don't say it, Fred. Don't okay. say it. See, Hank, this is what happens, Hank. All righty. This is what happens, Hank. You're, you're very confident at the beginning, Hank. I was, I was, man. Yes. Yeah, you still yeah, got a chance you, to get. You actually took us. You, some, you, you still, still get a chance to get one, right? Yeah, you still got a chance to get one or two. Yep. You okay, know? let's do it. When you got somebody down, I want to be shut out. When you got somebody down. You got to step on their throats, as Fred would always. That's say. right. You know, you can beat them by fifty. You got to beat them by fifty. That's right. You shut them out. You got to shut them out. <laughs> right. We're going for the no hitter here, Frank. I mean, Hank. See? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I beat you so bad, I changed your name. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Let, let's, let's get this one here, Fred. All right, here we go. I made nine all-star teams in my Hall of Fame baseball career. Bourbons. No good! Who is this guy? I was the AL MVP in 2004. AL MVP oh in 2004. Yes. Kurt Schilling. And it is no good. Oh. Manny. Justin Verlander. I don't know. Manny Ramirez. No good. Yes. Who is this guy? I am. Yes. In the Angels Hall of Fame. Oh. Troy Gloss. No good. He's in the Angels Hall of Fame? Yes. Bobby Gritch? Bobby, no, Bobby Gritch in 2004, huh? Vlad Guerrero. Rodney! Wow. Yep. Here we go. One question to go. No one is jinxing anyone. <laughs> you just did, Fred. No? Good luck. I made five all-star teams in my MLB career. That could be anybody, Fred. Who is this guy? I was the NL MVP in 2000. In 2000? Yeah. That'd be uh, Mike Piazza. No good! That'd be... uh, Albert Pujols. No, senor! Bobby Bonilla. How about new? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this guy? I retired. As a member of the Dodgers, after starting my career with Toronto and playing in a World Series with the Giants. Ooh. Ooh. The third baseman. What is his name? The Panda. Jeff yeah. Kent. Not the Panda. No, Jeff Kent. Ronnie said it. Ronnie Jeff Kent. Said it. Yes. Ronnie said it. so focused on the, the shutout. Yeah. Ronnie said it, ruining the perfect game. Sorry, Rodney. You jinxed it, Fred. 
Now we're going to criticize Ronnie for messing up the perfect game. Ronnie no, did it. I, I told I told Fred. I said I, I told you, Fred. Fred, you just jinxed it. He said, "No jinx." <laughs> you did say that, right, Rodney? How do you say it, Ronnie? Yeah, I don't think no, I said it like jinx. that. <laughs> no, I didn't say it like that. Ronnie just bunted. He bunted it. Yeah, he it's bunted a, in the ninth against the shift. <laughs> I don't fought you, Ronnie. You got to play to win, man. You got to play it all the way out. You know what I mean? You never know how how much that will give you momentum for tomorrow. Yeah, I couldn't let Frank get that one. I mean, Hank. Hank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, that's a good effort there, Big Bank. Hank. Yeah, yeah I, I said tell Big you, man. Bank. Oh, yeah. oh, all right. Big Bank. That's a big. That's a big zip right there on nine. All right. That's all right. That's many, all right. Many have tried, and many have been in your seat there, Hank. Yeah. No worries. All righty. We'll fight. Fight on. Fight on, Hank. I love it. Take it easy, Hank. Could be the final game of the NBA season tonight, plus Lakers and Clippers notes. Mark Medina will join us next. That's right, you are. Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete. On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday, Fred. I got to keep saying that, Fred. It's a Tuesday. You hear me, Kevin? It's Tuesday. Such a weird week. Yeah. Really, I thought it was the end of the week. We've only been here two days. What are those weeks? Well, you know, uh, I've got Olympic fever. Yeah, you do. Got to take my temperature before I come into the building. Check for COVID, check for Olympic fever. Very excited about Olympic fever. I was going to say, is that, is that Olympic is that like, fever? Fred? What's it like having Olympic fever? Yeah. Get the shakes. Get the trembles. Real anxious, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. The shakes and the trembles. Huh? Oh, yeah, you get them when you have Olympic fever like I do. What's the trembles like? You just tremble. Kevin, have you had the, ever had the trembles? Can't say that I have. You ever had the misery? Case of the old misery? No. no. The right. old misery. Oh, yeah. Get the misery. Is bad Kathy Bates involved? No, she's not. <laughs> is that my ex-girlfriend? Is that what, is that what we're calling her? Accident. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might have to call Jacob. Might have to call Jacob. <laughs> got a lot of shakes going on. Got a lot of shakes. Right. Now, is this shakes the same as you would normally get for the Winter Olympics? Because that's really where you shine, Fred, when it comes to the Oh, curling. yeah. You now, shine what is, at the what, winter. What is the anticipation like for Ooh, you when that yeah, comes that's up? That's got to be a whole different ball game for right. you, Fred. You know what? Olympics. I have this weird physical reaction. I get really bloated. I'll tell you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Kevin. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, that's my fault. You want to know? That's you know, kind of how it is. When we when the curlers hit the ice, it's a whole new ball. Is that game. why it smells a little weird in the studio every now and then? That's Fred. why I ask you not to come in. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Sorry, Rodney. Thanks a lot, guys. Too uh, much information for right. us. Well, here comes a man that's going to uh, perhaps put a bow on the NBA season. Milwaukee can wrap it up tonight. We'll talk some Lakers Clippers as well. Let's bring out our buddy from USA Today, Mark Medina. Mark, thanks for jumping on. Fred, thanks for having me. Okay, uh, let's just quickly start with the NBA Finals. Milwaukee has a chance to wrap it up tonight. Phoenix fighting for survival. I, I can't even believe what this would do psychologically to Chris Paul if he comes up short. Here in the biggest series he's ever played in, he's finally in the Finals. He is picking this opportunity to have his worst series. Uh, do you think he can overcome this tonight? I think he can. He's uh, shown in Game 5 that he turned a corner after having that really bad Game 4 with five turnovers, that costly one with 30 seconds left that essentially cost the ball game. But, look, is that going to be enough against the Milwaukee Bucks team? Not necessarily. Giannis has been dominant. Chris Middleton has become a really uh, consistent secondary option. And Drew Holiday, he's gotten rid of his shooting slump while wearing things down for Chris Paul on the other end of the floor. Um, but I think that Chris Paul has it in him to turn it around. He says he's fully healthy, and knowing just how competitively wired he is, uh, I, I suspect that he'll lay it all on the line tonight. 
Hey, Mark, isn't that crazy, though? This is what bothers me, is that the narrative changes with every second, especially in sports. I mean, we we just talked about Chris Paul, and, and it, the perception is he's had a terrible series when, in essence, like you mentioned, Game 5, he was good. Um, game 1 and Game 2 of this series, he was really good, especially in Game 1. But one game, and it's all of a sudden it's a it's a knock on his entire entire legacy. Much like Giannis as well, you know they were ready to run Giannis out of town a couple times in these playoffs when they got down 0-2 to Brooklyn. They got down you know 0-2 to Phoenix in the finals. Is they their Giannis is is not the answer, and they got to fire the coach. I mean, isn't it crazy how from day to day, game to game, I mean it's not just a little narrative. It's like the entire legacy of a guy can change. Rodney, preach, preach, my friend. I mean, you know what it's like as a professional athlete, and welcome to the playoffs. Welcome to just how the media landscape is. And I think when you're talking about Chris Paul, look, I think you have to just put all these things in perspective. Chris Paul is not above criticism for how he played in Game 4. Um, he's also not above criticism if he has a poor showing in Game 6. But that does that mean that he is the – sole culprit for why the Suns came up short, uh, I think that's a stretch. And then the other thing is, if he doesn't win a championship, it's not like his legacy is tainted per se. He's still going to get in the Hall of Fame. He's still seen as one of the best point guards of this generation, and he's still going to be in fifth place, if not better, in the all-time assists list. But there's no question that you know professional athletes are also measured with how many championships they win. And if he does win a championship, that's going to bolster his resume even more and I think soften the frustration that he went through throughout his career because of other playoff shortcomings, whether it had to do with injuries or just not uh, having the right fit with other teammates. And so even if Chris Paul's legacy is intact, there's no way around it. This is the prime opportunity for him to win an NBA title, and you never know when that next opportunity would present itself, especially because he's 36 years old. As for Giannis, he needs this. I mean, he's been close. He's been the MVP, and it's basically time for him to say, yeah, I can lead this team to a championship. Without a doubt, Fred, and he's been showing that, having dominant performances. He, he seems to have shown a much better uh, perspective than the past two playoffs where he's not reflecting on the past. He's being very calm in the present, but he's also using, you know, some of his experiences uh, to make adjustments where he has even a stronger game. There's very little weaknesses beyond maybe, you know, his free throw percentages. But, you know, when teams are throwing the kitchen sink at him, he knows how to fight through double teams. He knows how to set up teammates better. And the Bucks themselves, have also made adjustments with Mike Boltenholzer's rotations, them changing the personnel like getting Drew Holiday this past season. Uh, and even if you know the Bucks have shown more improvement than the past two off the past two playoffs, this is their window. You never know when the next opportunity is going to be, including next season, because you have a Brooklyn Nets team that could be a lot healthier with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, who knows if the Philadelphia 76ers can upgrade their roster and find an attractive deal for Ben Simmons. So while the, the title window might be a little bit shorter for Chris Paul, the same idea still applies for everyone, uh, that you never know when that next opportunity is going to be there. So you got to take advantage of what's in front of you. Um, hey, Mark, so, so 
the finals will be over soon, and even while they're still going, there's just heavy, hard talk about this offseason, free agency for a number of different teams, particularly, you know, Lakers, what are they going to do? It just feels like there's a incredible sense of urgency from clubs and from individuals like Damian Lillard. Uh, what are they going to do? What's going to happen with Kawhi? This offseason seems like it's about to be very, very intense. Yeah, this is how the NBA is. Uh, as soon as the season ends, it's into transaction mode and you know when you're looking at Damian Lillard you know I was on the call a few days ago when he talked about the state of things and he's not quite at the point where he's demanding a trade per se and he still is under contract until 2025 so it's not like Portland's facing a similar situation that other teams have faced in the past where they know they have a star player that plans to leave in free agency the following season so let's try to get something in return before that happens they have time on their side but at the same time damian has been very adamant that he wants neil o'shea the blazers gm to show more urgency um and also i think showing a different pivot point where before he was talking about the success that portland has had with being in the playoffs for six consecutive seasons, but after losing the first round two years in a row, this year against a Denver Nuggets team against uh, without Jamal Murray, he knows that the roster needs to be upgraded, and he disagrees wholeheartedly from Neil O'Shea's evaluation that it's not a roster construction problem for why they rank 29th out of 30 NBA teams in defense, and it's a coaching problem a la why he replaced Terry Stotts with Chauncey Billups. So while Portland and Damian, I suspect, will still be working together next season, they have to find a way to upgrade this team or else Damian will wind up uh, shaking some more trees as the season plays out. And the Lakers obviously have to upgrade their team as well. Uh, You know, you read the reports, maybe a a Carmelo Anthony. He signs for a year here. Uh, There was talk that, you know, maybe they take a run at Chris Paul, get him in here to handle the ball. Dennis Schroeder, sign and trade. Knicks, Bulls, both would be interested. How do you see all of that shaking out now? Yeah, I don't see any monumental changes that the Lakers are making because they're over the cap, and rightfully so. A lot of the money is devoted to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and those guys aren't going anywhere. So any improvements I think that the Lakers do, uh, it's going to be on the margin. Signing a guy like Carmelo Anthony, look, he, he – has shown that he can be healthy and is willing to supplement his role as he's done in Portland in the last two years. So that's a good pickup, but it's not a monumental shift. Um, You know, Fred, you and I have discussed about Dennis Schroeder. I'm not crazy about him, but from a cap perspective, uh, the the Lakers don't have any other alternatives. So they're, you know, better off just re-signing him to a number that both sides can agree and then see if, a, his play can improve and then trade while the stock is hot and get some assets and then explore uh, possible deals with Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. But these ideas of Damian Lillard ending up in a Lakers uniform, that's not going to happen because Portland's going to want assets and the Lakers' assets are LeBron and AD and they're not going anywhere. Chris Paul, I don't see that happening unless he's taking a monumental pay cut, but he has a player option in front of him that he can exercise, that's $44 million. So I, I just don't see those scenarios happening, but the Lakers still can upgrade their roster with better 
and possibly younger complementary players so the burden doesn't just fall on LeBron and AD for the whole season. All right, so Mark, switch to the Clippers now. Kawhi just coming off of a surgery. Um, what's their outlook for this offseason and, and the long-term situation with Kawhi? And also, Mark, um, are you buying the, the one report I think came out? I think it was Skip Bayless said that the Clippers didn't even know that he had surgery. Well, here's the challenge with the Clippers and with Kawhi Leonard is that they're not very forthcoming with information, and Kawhi is someone who keeps to himself. So I don't want to say that it's inaccurate, but the problem is you just don't know. Um, you know, there was one time during the playoffs when I was asking Clippers coach Hi Lu, what's the latest on his progress and what are the steps he still needs to take before he's considered ready to play? And Ty Luke gave me this look as if he's on a hostage video saying, look, uh, I don't have any answers, Mark. I wish I could tell you. They only tell me if uh, he's ready to play the immediate game or not. Um, so all those caveats aside, I would doubt that, uh, you know, they wouldn't know that Kawhi's getting surgery. I think that they would at least know that. But what we know about the severity of it isn't clear at this point the Clippers haven't offered any sort of timetable but I know connecting the dots when you're having surgery because of an ACL injury you look at Clay Thompson uh, we don't know if that's the same level of severity of it but uh, let's look at even just the best case scenario you're out for a good chunk of next season if not the entire season so the Clippers look it's hogwash to think okay well they should not try to resign Kawhi Leonard. You, you still keep him, especially because there's no better alternative. But for the rest of the roster, they have to find ways to build enough complementary players so they're still a competitive team without Kawhi. And, you know, they showed mixed progress with that. Look, they give, get a lot of credit for their resiliency and their willingness to fight in the Western Conference without Kawhi Leonard. But the reality is, even if Paul George is not is a much better player, it still isn't enough. He needs more support around him, and he's not a number one guy. Um, so it'll be a challenging offseason for the Clippers as well. All right, Mark, we appreciate you coming on. Info is always great. Thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Fred, Rodney, it's always a pleasure being on your show. I'm looking forward to it again. Okay, Mark, well done. Uh, we've got to get everybody caught up on what's happening. Plus, we need some spirituality. Got to come together as a people. Let's do that next. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app.